Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. We are coming close to the end of an era uh, as far as the Leadership Locker, but it's really not gonna be that much of a big, big change. But you know what is always going to be at the top of our mindsets, especially if you are the listeners who I think you are, uh, the aspiring entrepreneurs and the new entrepreneurs, the sales. Dude, sales is a beast. It is a monster. It is unnerving. It is just anxiety inducing. It can also boost your confidence. Uh, It could also just really help you get to the next level if it's something you're able to master. But there's so many different things you get into sales. You could do a Gary Vee approach. You could do the jab, 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 right hook. You could do Grand Cardone, which is hardcore selling. You could do uh, some Russell Brunson type sales. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. And my guest today, Cody G, is a sales trainer, and he's also an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, which I'm just going to read you this ridiculous definition, a psychological approach that involves analyzing strategies used by successful individuals and applying them to reach a personal goal, in this case, sales. So he's combining the psychological approach with his sales experience to help people become better at sales. Now, he started off doing tattoo and fitness modeling and just kind of being a nomad, going from place to place and really just enjoying that. I mean, you could tell this dude loves being by the water, but more importantly, uh, he eventually had a job as a sales manager, was crushing it, and it didn't work out in the end. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly to you guys, he got let go. He was young. And what happened is it flipped everything on its head for him. And he literally was just kind of guided by the universe to exactly where he needed to be, where he not only was able to learn about NLP, but realized that that was going to make a perfect marriage with his sales experience. And that was going to help more people than he could have possibly imagined. Now, in this podcast, you're going to hear me ask a lot of the same questions that you have. Okay. And I know what those questions are. It might sound something like this. How do I not sound salesy? How do I not oversell? Um, You know, what's the difference between emotional selling and selling with logic? All these different types of things, including the mindset, which he hits at the very end, is really probably going to not only educate you, but hopefully just allow you to kind of sigh and just breathe out all these things that have just been kind of you know, just gathering inside you anytime you are about to have a sales conversation. I could tell you one thing, which I I wish uh, I had thought to go into it a little bit deeper, but the practicality and the benefits of sales role play can absolutely not be overstated. And I came into Clubhouse and you know, really enjoying it in the beginning, then I hated it. And then I had a revival with it with Christo and guys like Cody, because there was a lot of sales role play going on. And the reasons those rooms were packed was it because it wasn't just because people were spitting out information, or it wasn't because people were just talking about how amazing they were, or how they were telling you how to make nine figures in the next 90 days or any of that bullshit. It was absolutely positively focused around improving how you feel during a sales call, how to talk to someone, how to listen to someone, all of the things that we deeply want to refine in order to put ourselves in the best position. And when you do that, as you'll hear with Cody, you're gonna have conviction and you're gonna have confidence and all these things that you need to address on a call are gonna be insanely, insanely easier. Let's get into it. All right, so I'm here with Cody G. Dude, thank you so much. A long time in the making for this one. Uh, How's it going today, man? Man, going really well. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here, brother. Awesome. So I did my intro, like I said, but I'd love for you to try and summarize briefly what it is you're about and who you help. 
Yeah, man. Beautiful question. And it's kind of funny. I think that's always developing, at least with me. If I had to summarize that just from a very high level, I'd say I help people communicate better. And whatever the heck that means. The two avenues of my business is I teach people the psychology of ethical selling, and I teach people neurolinguistic programming. All of that really boils down to communicating more effectively, whether it's on a sales call, someone wants to know how I can make more money. It's all directly correlated to how you communicate. You know, what I've really just kind of got passionate about over the past few years is the ability to have someone change who they used to be and create a new version of themselves with the words that they use out of their mouth. So we can dive deeper into that rabbit hole, but that's kind of a summarization at a high level of what I enjoy doing. Yeah, well, it's funny. I just told you as we were kind of warming up, I was like, all right, so I went to your Instagram and it looks like just a sequence of, of changes and involvement. Uh, not, nothing too drastic, but I mean, there's a lot of shirtless pics and you being a nomad in Hawaii and just like living <laughs> life. And then it just seemed like something something transitioned a little bit. And for me, I was curious, just looking at that, like, okay, NLP. And look, like I've been with you on Clubhouse. There's a lot of different things floating around. And you know, as an entrepreneur, bright, shiny objects are everywhere. So this and that, like, there's just so many different things. And NLP is something that just kept coming up. And when Chris Doe has you on for five days straight to talk about selling or five episodes, so to speak, I'm like, this has to mean something. How did you get in interest whatsoever into NLP and what it could potentially do for you. Man, I have to say, I knew that your podcast was your jam, um, but that's a great question that you asked and a great comment about the evolution and the change that you saw on my page because that happened like three times, man. From my upbringing, how I got somewhat big on social media was I was doing tattoo and fitness modeling when I was very, very young and it kind of exploded my, my social media. And then I got really big into doing like traveling and videography. And I lost half of my engagement because people didn't follow me for that. And then I got into more business and motivation. It's just been a, a steady thing there. It's not growing at all. It's been kind of just hard to, to rechase that social media. Um, so it's, but I, I thought it's important to leave that old stuff up there just as like um, a testament to who I am and really who I was and what my interests are more than just business, but life stuff as well. And man, I heard Chris Doe speak actually in a room one time. And I'm like, who is this guy that just has amazing audio quality? That's just like super quick, that's sharp, that's on the ball. I like him. And I went to his bio and it said like, I like to do things like sales, role play, this, this and that. And I, I'm like, let me let me reach out to this guy. And I went to his Instagram and saw half a million followers. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> never mind. I'll, I'll find someone else. I heard him again, probably a week later, I decided just to slide in his DMs. And I was like, hey, Chris, um, I'd, I'd love to talk with you about doing some role playing. It's stuff that I love doing and I've done with my past sales team. I think it could be very valuable. And then he messaged back. He's like, what did you have in mind? And I was like, all right, cool. And we just kind of started that process. And um, he actually just called me about about four or five days ago. We spoke for like an hour long. And you know, it's just it's not something that you'd really expect from a guy like Chris, just being the status that he's at, how humble he is, um, and just how like how genuine he is. So that's been a blessing, that connection right there. And that's how we met, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's right up the street, man. So you got to go check out uh, the future. But I, I wish we could have connected when I went out to see him, but it didn't work out. But that this transition you're talking about where, you know, it seems like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, you started to take business more seriously. And all of a sudden, like, I think I read somewhere, uh, you had a sales team of like 30 people at one point, maybe making seven figures a month. And I'm just like, dude, like, 
this is crazy, but what what was it that was kind of the catalyst in, in you really going after business and then the extension of that, which is helping people get better at business? Yeah, so I was a sales manager. I got back from Hawaii and I got into a sales manager position at a finance firm. I had about 30 people, three different sales teams under me. And my main job was teaching people how to sell. I wasn't selling, I wasn't closing anymore, but teaching really like the psychology behind what I did and I would listen to people's phone calls, go over it with them and say, hey, this is where you overtalk the sale. This is where engagement was lost. If you would have said this here, the outcome may have changed. So that was my full-time life and career. And what I realized is that I really didn't like managing. I didn't like having to write people up for being late. I didn't like to have to tell someone, hey, you, you don't look as sharp as you usually do. What's going on? I really like the coaching and the teaching aspect. So fast forward about two years later, December 4th, 2019, I got a tap on my shoulder as I'm on my computer. I look back, it's the vice president of the company. Hey, Cody, we need to talk to you. And I'm like, heart's racing, boom, boom, boom. And I probably only had to walk 15 steps into the HR department, but it was the longest 15 steps ever. Um, because at a company like that, I, I kind of knew it was coming. Um, one of the youngest managers there. And it was just, it was a, a very, very intense position. So I, I go in there and I find out that I'm getting let go. and was making really good money at my age. I think I was 25 at the time, maybe 26. And so I started to panic that whole ride home. I remember it was kind of like a, a gloomy, lightly drizzled day, but the sun was kind of bursting out of the clouds. And I was driving my car home. And I was like, this whatever sun was popping out, it's a signal of where I'm at right now that no matter what's going on, light can still come through and light can still shine up my path. And, and then I look down at my car and I'm like, okay, I have a thousand dollar car payment as well. Let's not get too optimistic. <laughs> I need to do something right now. So to make a long story short, I booked a, a solo trip to Puerto Rico about a week later, just to kind of regroup myself, get clarity and find out what I want to do next. And I found out that I wanted to be a coach, like a life coach and, and helping people just because I loved that motivation aspect. And I met a friend who actually took an NLP course and I was like, yeah, that's like Tony Robbins kind of stuff, right? And she's like, yes, all lit up and told me about it. And I went down this NLP avenue and the very first NLP class I was in, people were like, man, like you're going to be teaching this stuff one day, Cody. And I was like, no, no, no. I just want to use it to like help people and, you know, to get better at business. And long story short, I just, I got sold into the whole lifestyle and it really started to change me and I saw the power from it. So that's kind of in a nutshell how I got started in the NLP journey. It sounds like you literally landed exactly where you needed to be. Exactly. Like, it's it's just kind of, I don't want to say serendipitous, but I made a podcast recently about anyone who's successful has not had an easy past. Like, everyone has that story, right? Like the $1,000 car payment, I'm going to go quote unquote, like find myself, take a break and just like figure this out. And it sounds like it could not have been a better fit, especially because you didn't even know anything about it necessarily to begin with. So talk to me about like when you started to realize like, not only do I want to help people, but now I have kind of a framework that I could embody and really help people get over what we all hate. A lot of us is, is just sales and having those tough conversations where it's like, Cody, buy my shit, please. I'm scared. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. So I actually struggled for the first almost year in my business. Um, the first like just shy of 12 months, I made about 13 grand for the entire year as a, as a full-time quote-unquote coach. Uh, and I was out of alignment with a lot of things. And what I realized from that was that 
um, I went fully into the sales direction and I didn't feel good about it because there were so many people that were like, you just mentioned, Cody, buy my stuff. And it was just, it was such an environment that didn't feel authentic to me. It wasn't really until I began to, to blend those two paths of NLP and selling together that I really started to enjoy it. I was, again, teaching sales at a very high level. So I understood sales and I kind of, I realized, I said, if I'm struggling this hard in my business with my experience, there's something wrong here. So what I've loved about the NLP side of things is that it really allows me to bring in like the indirect selling or the subconscious selling. Uh, and really just where it's more conversational, where it's more just like me talking about what I'm doing and having someone want to buy instead of me having to force them to actually feel like they're being sold to. And I think that's a big, a big issue that a lot of people fall into is that they're always just like telling someone, hey, these are the features of my program. This is it. This is it. And people feel like they're being sold to, which is why they don't like sales. So I always make every sales call. I, I start with a certain framework and I make it very easy for them to tell me no. If you were teaching me and your framework and you're like, Rich, I'm going to help you get people to say no. I'm like, oh, thank you for making me live my worst nightmare. What is the idea behind that? Yeah, a few things. Number one is that certainty is key when it comes to selling. And I know that if I can get people that I 100% know I can help, I'm going to have that certainty on the call. So I'm only going to pitch to people that I'm certain of that I can help. So if we get on a call and you tell me that you're in a position, like let's say you want to generate more leads, not something that I do. And I would say, hey, Rich, I completely understand where you're at. It sounds like we may be better working together after you get your lead generation situation figured out. Um, so what I might do is recommend you and point you in the right direction. Uh, and so what I do, I didn't even pitch you. I didn't tell you my price. I didn't go into it. So it allows me to preserve my energy and really honor my yes. So when I do actually have someone that I can help, I show up fully for that person and I can passionately show, hey, I can help this person. And I don't fall into that trap like a lot of people do trying to sell to everyone. So that's really what it is. Um, and more importantly, I, I make that known at the beginning. And I use a phrase that kind of sounds similar to this. I'd say, uh, hey, Rich, it's great for us connecting today. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask you a series of questions so I can diagnose your business. Just kind of see where you're at. If I think that I can help you, I'll let you know what the investment's going to be at this point. If I don't, I'll maybe point you in the right direction. And so there's a few things that are happening. One, I've planted the seed. This is a paid call. Our main goal is to be talking about us working together. There's a lot of people that I've heard their calls and they pitch the price at the end and the prospect goes, oh, I have to pay to work with you? And it's like, that's the worst thing you can ever hear. I've also said, if I don't think that I can help you, there's going to be no price at all. So I, I've let your guard down. I've just been very direct with you. Like, hey man, if I can help you, there's a fee. If not, there's no fee at all. It also sounds like you're like, this is how the call is going to go. Not the submissive, you know, apprehensive, anxious salesperson. Like, it's a very different experience, I'm assuming. Very different. And I think a lot of people go wrong in that aspect where they don't have a flow. And when I say flow, a good way to think of that is like a script. Not that you need to sound like a scripted salesperson, because there's a difference. But every person that I work with, we always develop a script together. Whether they use it or not, doesn't matter, but they at least have a framework to go off of. So they're not going off of guesswork. There's a lot of phone calls I've even been on where I feel like I'm leading the conversation or like there's no clear direction. And here's the problem with that is that if I'm feeling that way on a sales call, I'm already going to be correlating that sales call to the way that our time together is going to go. And I'm not going to want to hire that person. 
and our prospects feel the same way, but a lot of times it's just unconsciously. They don't know what it is, but they don't get that feeling that they're sold yet. So you always want to take that lead. I've heard you say before to recognize when you're getting sold and by you getting sold by the prospect is by them being like, hey man, like, yeah, it sounds awesome. But, and you just spent, you know, 30 minutes doing your best framework and your best energy and you worked out this morning and you were ready for this. And then all of a sudden they hit you with that. Talk to me about getting sold by the prospect. There's always a sale that's happening. Either you're selling that person and bettering their life, hopefully, or they're going to sell both of you guys on their limitation. Whether they can't afford it, um, they can't find the right resources, they can't find the time. And I think it's very important to know the difference between someone not being interested. Because if someone doesn't have an interest or there's no value in what you do, and you continue to try to sell them, that's when it becomes pushy. But if I know like, dude, Rich really needs my help, he's closing one out of 10 calls, God forbid, and he really needs my help. I'm doing a disservice to you, to your business, and to your clients if I don't push you harder to find resources to come up with. So I'm always thinking about that on the call. I know truly that someone's not going to give me the last money out of their bank account. We would never do that. But I also know that a lot of times someone may be thinking, okay, this might cost two grand. And when it costs five, it was more than they expected, but it's not something that they can't come up with if they don't want to. So I kind of go through a process of just diving deep with someone and I'll find out. So if you said, hey, Cody, I love this, but I can't afford it. I'm going to then ask you, can you not afford the full amount? Can you not afford the monthly installment? Can you not afford the down payment? If I can do it in these kind of payments, would that make it easier for you? So I'm, I'm really going to the, what the core of what it is. And the important part here is that most people are, are kind of afraid to do that because they think that it's being pushy. It's sensitive. I mean, it's a sensitive topic, right? I mean, like, how do you feel okay doing not And I'm not you specifically, but young salespeople or entrepreneurs is like, you really want to make sure it happens. You're just literally trying to outline options. But at the same time, it could seem like, dude, like, I'm not going to go sell my car to work with you. You know, like, how do you get into the mindset of like, look, I have to do what I can to help? Yeah. So it's my passion for wanting to help people better their business and truly knowing if I can charge someone five grand for my, my sales consulting program, the skills that I teach them, just in the 10 weeks we work together, they can make 20, 30, $40,000. But more importantly, it's a skill they're going to have for the rest of their life. And I know the value of my service has potential to make hundreds of thousands of dollars for someone and get someone out of a position that they're stuck in. That's one way. Way number two is simply with tonality. We talk about this a lot from an NLP standpoint that I can, I can be pushy without feeling pushy if I use my tone in a proper way. And this is the single biggest thing that after hearing hundreds of different people's phone calls, they struggle with. And I, I don't know if you've been in rooms with me and Chris Doe, but there have been times we do a role play and then Chris will say, okay, Cody, go ahead and dissect what just happened. And I'll say, well, you sounded a little bit pushy there. You kind of got defensive here. And oftentimes people would say, really? Like, or no, I didn't. And I'd be like, yes, you did. Uh, and it, it happens just so quick unconsciously that we don't really know. So I always teach people that when you get an objection or when you get something like, Cody, I can't afford this. Oh, okay, Rich, just a tough time for you right now. So I made it very friendly. Oh, okay, no big deal, nonchalant. And then I kind of asked you a question, but I agreed with you. I didn't combat with you. I kind of flowed with you. So I always agree with the prospect. And if you do that, you can usually get further because they realize you're trying to help them. It's kind of like starting a sentence with a but. Hey, Rich, your podcasts are great, but 
you already know what's coming next and tonality can be that (laughs) same thing. (laughs) I'm bracing myself when I hear it. So in your podcast, you talk in one of the episodes, I I believe when you rebranded and to the buckets that you would kind of categorize NLP in. Um, I've heard it, but I want to make sure some of my audience hears it. And it looks like it's, you know, how to communicate, how the mind works and, and change work. We kind of hit how to communicate in some ways, but I definitely would like to talk about how the mind works. Uh, you had a really good analogy of how you kind of make a purchase. If you could break that down a little bit, I thought that was very useful and I think it'd be good for others here as well. Yeah, I don't remember the exact analogy about purchasing. It was Best Buy computer. You were walking into Best Buy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so we all have different patterns and strategies we're running in our head at every given time. And I've talked a lot about things being unconscious or at the subconscious level. What that really means is just it's going on behind the scenes, like on autopilot. If you were to drive to the gym, I know you go to the gym every day at like 4.30 a.m. When you drive there, uh, you don't got to think about what to do. You can probably even zone out and still get there. It's happening at the unconscious level. So we always have these different patterns or strategies we're running. And I'll bring up a buying strategy that we have. So the same way that I'd buy this computer that I'm speaking on right now is the same way I'd buy a home. And a lot of times we can break it down into different modalities and submodalities. And I'll keep it very tangible here. So like, let's say I were to walk into Best Buy and I were to see this computer. That's my visual modality that I have. I were to see a computer and maybe I go look at it and I say, okay, you know, this thing has some good speakers. It's a good size for me. The price makes sense. Now I'm doing like that kind of self-talk. I'm analyzing it, which we call auditory digital. Uh, Then after that, usually what happens is I'd probably get a good feeling. You know what? Yeah, I'd like this. I get a good feeling. I can afford this. And that's a kinesthetic. So that buying strategy would have been V-A-D-K. And that's just one example of it. But with everything in our life, we're running the strategy. The way that we love people, the way that we respond when we get a compliment, we have different strategies. We have different patterns that we're doing. So um, a lot of times what we're doing with NLP is we're repatterning the way that people think, such as people have patterns for making money. I make $20,000 during my launch and then I'm broke in two months because I spend it all. They have a bad strategy they're running about money. So we can reprogram the way that people view pretty much anything as long as they want to. So this is unbelievably perfect timing. I recently was at a conference and it was great. I had an opportunity to speak and one of the other speakers um, was with ClickFunnels. And the, the year before I was like, dude, I hate you guys. Like, it was it was like over the top. Like it was crazy. This year, I, I signed up and I'm doing one funnel away and I'm just like, I actually love this. Like for me, it's just completely different than the whole free content creation game and all that and, and some of the other things. It's just a different modality. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because uh, some of the concepts that they teach, it's not a concept, it's just science-backed that a large majority of people buy with emotion. But that's a different type of sale. If I'm selling a $7 product or a $20 product, like I might, I might cater to that. But what you're saying is, and my question is, and it's a long way to get there, is if you want to kind of replicate the way these people buy and there's a certain modality that they have, it's going to be a little bit more difficult at scale, especially if it's expensive, right? Like I'm not going to sell a car the same way I would sell this microphone. Because I will focus on the emotion part. And what you're saying is like, you got to understand what these people's, how, how their patterns work so you can accommodate the pattern. Great observation. I'll say that's a very, very advanced level of selling and of understanding that must happen before anyone should even try to go down that avenue. Um, 
because it's it, it can get you in more um, more confusion than it's even worth. Sure, sure. But if you were, and there's not always a perfect situation where I can elicit like, hey, Rich, tell me when you bought something. What happened? Like, how did you know that car was for you? But let's do something on the fly real quick. Give me anything in the world that you might buy and I'll show you just a different way to get the emotion out of it and how it can be similar to like that microphone. Literally, anything like now? Yeah, like now. Uh, how I would buy something, uh, a pair of, a, a cool new pair of sneakers. Cool new pair of sneakers. So what would happen at most retail stores is the, the salesperson would say like, hey, Rich, these are brand new. They just came out. They're super comfortable. The white, you don't got to worry about it getting dirty, whatever the case might be. And th- those are all features. It's logical things. So someone who's very logical, they'd say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But if they say, hey, Rich, I know you love going on date nights with your wife. This is the perfect thing when you walk in that people are going to notice how clean your shoes are. And the beautiful part is that once you have your kids, I know they're probably all over the house walking over them, the scuffs come off nice and easily. And so it's getting the emotions going. Like Then I ask you, Rich, can you see yourself wearing these shoes? Go ahead and try them on. Versus talking about always the features. Same with that microphone. If I say, like, Rich, this microphone has the best sound quality. It's easy to set up. It's universal with all the boom arms, whatever. Those are all features that, again, most people, if you think back to it, Oh, they're going to sound like that versus like, hey, Rich, you're going to have probably one of the best sounding podcasts around. When you're on Clubhouse, people are going to know something about your audio quality is different. And that's going to make you an authority in your field. Just simply having that. Let me give you a quick story about audio quality here. It's said that most people listen to blank, 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 whatever I go into. But I'm, I'm now I'm getting you to the emotion and really the, the benefits of what's going to happen of the feature, not the feature itself. So I would argue that everything that we sell can be done on an emotional level and then justify or backed with logic. All right, everyone, this podcast is brought to you by an organization that has helped my business more than I can even possibly codify into words. And the reason they helped me is because they helped me develop a team. They helped me develop my staff virtually. They helped me launch. They helped me scale. They've helped me become more profitable. And it's all because I invested in what's going to be your biggest expense, which is labor. Okay, I needed the right people on this team. Not long after I lost a key member to my team, I realized I just needed more virtual staff, more virtual assistants that I could actually make very, very specific positions. That's exactly what we did. And I realized, what the hell was I doing with that person before? I have, we have made leaps and bounds of just progress by documenting processes, having a social media manager, having an operations lead, having a podcast manager. I mean, it has just come full swing. And it is all because I looked into and invested in Rocket Station. Virtual staffing, they're based out of Dallas, the employees are overseas. This is the difference between them and everyone else is that these people are gonna take over all of your $10 an hour tasks for $10 an hour full time. Okay, yeah, sure, go ahead. Go find someone uh, overseas, uh, you know, wherever on Upwork or somewhere for $5 an hour and just see if you're going to get the support that Rocket Station gives you. There are layers to the way they train, to the way they ensure these people are successful. They keep tabs, they have meetings with you. They are in it to win it and there is just that extra layer. If you want to look into them and to get 25% off of your process mapping, then listen at the end of the episode and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Let's get back to the show. At the very beginning of the podcast, you mentioned observing as a manager, sometimes when people oversold 
if I'm emotionally kind of invested and you've been able to see that I absolutely have an interest in working with you and that I feel like I could absolutely boost my sales by working together, at what point can you oversell me like with features and, and logic? Like, how do you know when to back off, so to speak, instead of just kind of piling on and being like, dude, I, I promise you this is going to be the best thing you've ever done? Yeah, good question. So I think that from what I've heard, listen to just different phone calls, people, they give different cues for wanting to buy like, yeah, that, you know, that sounds really good, Rich. And then you go on and on. Well, let me tell you about this feature now. We, we're going to work together for eight weeks. We're going to have one hour. And it's like, oh, it sounds good. Okay. Is this something that you're interested in getting started with right now? And most times it's going to happen is they're going to say something to the extent of, well, yeah, I am. And so you start to listen. You develop a certain, a keen ear for listening to what's going on and using those cues to, to capitalize on. Because if someone's ready to buy and they're interested in it, there's no reason to waste their time. Especially, let's say that I'm working with you and you're making eight figures in your business. You probably don't have the time or the interest to listen to every feature about my program. But if I can give it to you straight, again, you're going to correlate that with our results together. It's going to be straight. It's going to be just very clear and concise. And that's the outcome we're going to have. So to summarize that, you develop that ear to listen for what the other person's saying. And the other component is oftentimes you want to listen to what's not being said or listen to the question behind the question based on someone's tone. And I think that's one of the easiest things to do once you develop that skill with learning something like NLP. Without it, it becomes very challenging. Because if I say like, hey, Rich, we're going to work together. This is it's going to be five grand. Does that sound good? And you say, got it. Or yeah, okay. And I should be able to hear in your tone and address it very directly. Rich, let me ask you, I sensed a bit of hesitation there. Is this something that you even want to do? Last thing I want to do is have you buy something that you're not fully bought into. So kind of talk to me, tell me what's on your mind. And what I just did right there, it's not a skill. It's just having the confidence to do it, which most people lack. But again, dude, I'm doing that for you. I'm not doing it to get pushy. I genuinely want to know like, dude, is this something you want to do? If not, please tell me. I don't want to push on you if you don't want it. That's so matter of fact. It's like so overt. And and you're right. Like I would even including myself, I, I I I'm not sure I would even address the hesitation because if you are like the audience and you're trying to scale a business or start a business, that sale means everything in the beginning, right? But you get to a place. I, I think what I've taken away the most already in this, however long we've been talking, is that. Once you're incredibly confident in what you can do for someone else, these conversations become unbelievably easier. 100%. And, and really what comes to mind is that if someone doesn't want to buy from me, I don't care how big the sale is. I don't care how much money I have in my bank account or how little I have. That sale is not going to make or break. And it's a mindset that I chose to have very early on. And now if I show up on a call with that mentality, you're not going to sense that desperation. Like I need your money to pay my rent. And that's how a lot of people sound because they truly do need the money. There's nothing wrong with it if you're in these positions, but you never want to show that because just like anything, when you're first talking to a girl or a guy, when you're so desperate and you chase someone so hard, it tends to repel people away. So we have to realize that, that we cannot let anyone else's business or one sale dictate our business for positive or for negative. It should be pretty neutral. Yeah, I'm going to go to a different direction from NLP for a second. But you just reminded me of something I saw about Matthew McConaughey recently, where he was talking about how he got kind of pigeonholed into romantic comedies. And he's like, no, like, 
I don't want to be that guy. So he, he, he's like, I'm done. And he said he was going to take a time off and he wasn't going to take any offers or anything like that. And they still kept coming. And then this one, they just put in front of him. They're like, look, man, like you'd be, this is literally just for you. It'd be perfect. And I'd, let's just say the offer was like 6 million. He kept saying no. He kept saying no. Ultimately got up to 14 million and he still said no. There is something to be said, not only about confidence, but uh, conviction. So what happens when you are in an environment, uh, whether you are an entrepreneur or not an entrepreneur, where you might be confident in yourself, but you might not be confident completely in your product or how it stands against some of the competition. So talk to me about conviction. Like, How do you get to that level um, where it's going to help your sales become more effective as well? Yeah, so I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, if you don't have that full confidence in it, there's usually one of two reasons. One, just naturally we tend to doubt ourselves, which is normal and it's okay. And we do a lot of mindset work there. So one thing I'm, I'm very big on is like a holistic approach to teaching sales, where it's not just like, hey, Rich, this is how you close someone. Here's how you overcome the objections. Here's a strategy. But it's really a lot of conceptual-based teaching with mindset work that we do. The other component to that is that if you don't feel 100% confident in your product, that's probably a good sign that you need to develop it even more before trying to pitch it to someone. Because if you have even 1% of doubt in what you do, that prospect is going to have it times 10. Even 1%, we can sense it. It's not going to be in the words that I say most times. It's oftentimes going to be in my tone again, or even in that slight hesitation where you say, like, so, hey, Cody, how much money can I expect to make back from like working with you? And if I go to say something like, oh, well, you know, it, boom, done. I would instantly, that sale's already lost in my mind. And most times they're going to lose that sale just from that little bit of hesitation. And until we listen to that phone call, we would never know that even happened. Or we'd never know why that, that went down the avenue. So what I think that it's so important is we have to realize if our product is not where we want it to be, most times people are not buying it based on the product. They're buying the person behind the product. So that should give you a little bit of a peace of mind and confidence. We just have to connect with that person as opposed to making that product connect with them. That's going to be the easiest way for you to drastically shift that. Cody G, you said something I have to address. And that is, you know, how much will this make me or whatever? Like I ask this in almost every, every podcast with anyone who has any concept of sales is the ROI question. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Now, you and I know, especially you being into fitness, like results may vary. Like you could put me on a program right now and it might not, I'm like nothing may change. My pants might fit better, but I might not get jacked. I mean, who knows? So this is one of the most crippling. And I know you and Chris have talked about this before, but how do you address that with confidence, but at the same time being obviously completely truthful? Very, very good question. Um, because there are a few different things that happen. Usually if that question comes up, it's a sign. It's not, a, it's not, it doesn't mean that person wants a direct answer most times. Hey, Rich, you're going to make $50,000 working with me. Most times what it means is that you haven't built enough value and that confidence is not there. But here's, here's the tricky part. The confidence is not always in you. The confidence can be in themselves. The confidence can be in the vehicle, meaning the product or your, their ability to like actually learn it. So I think that it's a great question for someone to ask, and I love answering it. And usually I'll say something like this. Um, well, hey, Rich, unless I'm taking over your entire sales department's calls, it's going to be very hard to guarantee anything. And if anyone guarantees you you're going to make back a certain number, that's kind of a red flag in itself. 
I'm going to do whatever I can with what I've taught to 400 people at this time, just like Blank, who's just like you, who ended up making $50,000 in our first year working together. And I might throw in an example of social proofing, but I made it very clear, Rich, I'm not going to give you a number because I don't know. I can be the best sales trainer in the world, for an example, but you can show up late to half of our calls. Or you can go out, drink before every one of the calls and not pay attention, or just not put in the work after that. So it's a good question to ask because there are a lot of people that help people make money and there's no backing behind it. If you're listening, anybody, like that sounded like complete confidence, even though the answer might not have been what the prospect wanted to hear. And I think that's fantastic. And I just want to give a real life personal example for the people who know me. My biggest contract I landed last year, I mean, it was like a dream come true, very high profile people. I mean, we crushed it for them with social and got them millions and millions of views, but there was hardly any conversions. And at the end, they're just like, you know, the ROI isn't there. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like, what do you mean it's not there? Like, how could you not flip any of this? And at the same time, I took it so personally, but I never put up front like, well, I have no idea what you're doing on the back end. I have no idea if you're running ads against this. I have no idea if you're engaging with the people engaging with the content. Like, there's so many pieces. And, and now I'm in a different place where I know better, right? So the lesson here is the reason I asked that uh, and the reason I wanted to kind of interject to tell you all that is because if you don't set the expectation where it's kind of tangible and you could reference back to it, then you're screwed. You're completely screwed. So I want to get to change work real quick. Uh, you talked a little bit about switch patterns, anchoring, and a couple of things like that. I just want to get a couple of little tactical things in here uh, as far as the change work aspect of NLP, the buckets that you have. So talk to me about that, please. Yeah, so this is the area that's really targeted to people that do any sort of like healing, uh, coaching, life coaches, mindset coaches, anything where you're really in a capacity or an environment where you want to help people instantly be able to get rid of like a pattern, a habit, or change their current state that they're in. And I won't bore people too much with the semantics of what change work is, but let's use anchoring for an example. So if, if I were to ask you like, you know, think back to, I don't want to get too, too personal here, but think back to maybe your high school ex-girlfriend and what kind of perfume she wore. So you may be able to think about that, even smell it and be like, oh my gosh, no, that reminds me of her. Or even like listening to a song you used to listen to, maybe on, maybe on your wedding night, <laughs> the song you guys listened to, now it's anchored in to put you into a certain state. So we have everything, all these different things that we can anchor. Smells, like I just mentioned, perfume, sounds, maybe even sights. We see someone and we instantly get into a bad mood. Or we see someone and we instantly get into a good mood. It changes our state. So we can then begin to do this by linking that emotion to a physical touch on the body, like a knuckle, for example. And so anytime I go to press down that knuckle, it brings these feelings back over my body. And it was discovered by uh, this guy named Ivan Pavlov a long time ago that we're able to link these things together and use them at a later time. So like, let's say right before this podcast, if I was very nervous and I was like, oh my gosh, what if I mess up? I can fire off my anchor and bring those feelings of maybe confidence or peace or whatever I set to begin with right before a podcast or a public speaking gig or a sales call. So there are a lot of different things that we teach in NLP. And I think that it's funny because oftentimes people come to NLP looking for the techniques. And I always tell them, you're going to get some techniques. But what I really want you to understand are the principles and the mindset of what it means to be a practitioner and let the techniques just kind of back those principles up. 
that way it's not just teaching people strategy, but those are just kind of like the icing on the cake. Absolutely. And I think this has been going so phenomenal. And I want to kind of end uh, with a little bit on the fact that, you know, part of your branding, part of your offering is, is you know, uh, ethical selling, clearly uh, playing against uh, what a lot of us have had with these experiences with unethical selling. At the same time, you said, and I agree, of course, that people need to know if you have the best offer ever, best website ever, and all these different things, like people still need to know. So like, can you address the fact that, you know, if people don't know what you have to offer and how you can help, you're still not going to have success. And it's not unethical to make people aware. Talk to me about making people aware of how you can help without feeling, you know, sleazy, like a lot of us don't want to feel. Yeah, I think that really having a baseline fundamental idea of what you're doing it, it takes out that concern, but a lot of people do not put themselves out there enough because they're scared of being pushy. When I truly believe at the core that what I do can help people with NLP and with sales. So I, I realized that if I, let's say I have a great realization or a great learning I got on this podcast and I go to put it on an Instagram story and one person sees it, that it helps, that it changes their day, that they can maybe make more money or close a sales call. I know that it's worth it to put it on my Instagram story. But when I don't do it, I know that again, I'm not serving the world in the way that I'm supposed to do. And I'm actually being selfish to what I know. God give me a certain gift and a certain really just desire to develop that gift. The stronger I got at it, the more that I realized the things that you have in life, you have to begin to give them away. And so if there's a coach and entrepreneur listening right now, whatever you do, someone needs it at some level. And I think it's a, a very humbling thing to realize that, hey, I might be better at rich at selling. And Rich is probably going to be better than me at podcasting. And I think a lot of people think that when they're putting themselves out there, they're almost taking an over like superior posture when it's not. It's just, hey, I'm a little bit better than you at this. You can pay some money to get good at this and I can do the same with these skills. So I see everything just as something that can be developed. And when I have that, that sort of like projection inside of me, I project that onto the world. So now every person that I meet I treat them the same way. If you want to learn sales, you can. It's going to cost you a bit of money, but this is what it's going to make you. $100,000, hopefully, over the course of your career. So uh, to summarize that, I think that we have to realize when we're scared to put ourselves out there, we're scared of being seen. A lot of times that actually goes back to things that have happened in our past. Maybe about not feeling good enough with our parents. We go to show them a B we got on a paper and they say, why didn't you get an A? And now we no longer want to show our accomplishments off. And there's so many different things that we've seen linked to patterns people had growing up. I interviewed Andy Frisella earlier this year, and we were talking about money. And he goes, you can help more people the more money you make. And I was like, mind blown for a second. And then he's like, I could tell there's something wrong with your money mindset. And he goes, a lot of that ties back to childhood as well. And he asked me a couple point blank questions on my own podcast. And I was like, holy shit, because I remember watching my mom cut up credit cards. I remember seeing like little things like this, that, that maybe it's not necessarily a good thing to have, but now it's flipped a little bit. Um, what would you say to entrepreneurs who, who need to be reminded that like, you do need to make money. Like you said it at the beginning, like you have a thousand dollar car payment. Like, yes, okay. Like you saw the sun through the clouds and you have a feeling maybe emotionally that things are going to be all right. But life does require some sort of monetary uh, aspect to continue on, especially if you have a very specific lifestyle. 
Yeah. And you know, what I, what I would say is just a small reframe that life doesn't even require it. Life gives us the opportunity to allow it to come in. And I think that just operating in a place of abundance truly, you know, I think back to, I moved to San Diego almost about a year ago and I live two blocks from the ocean. Am I paying more for that? Absolutely. But what is the return on that investment? Is rent an investment? Most people would say no, but the way I see it is if I can wake up every day and walk to the beach or go to the beach for sunset, that puts me in, in an inspired and creative state. When I can drive an expensive car that I love having, I get so excited when I go to the gym. I look back at it and say, hey, this is a method of my accomplishment. When I can give back money to people that need it or take care of the bill at dinner, that's the kind of stuff that lights me up and that helps me keep making more money. So oftentimes we hear things like, you know, hey, rich money doesn't grow on trees or rich people are greedy. We hear a lot of these negative connotated things about money when we're younger. And it served us at that time. Like, don't be greedy with your toys. But we take that as a universal truth and apply it to everything the older we get. Because if you learn something when you're younger, when, when do you unlearn it? You really don't. So my message for entrepreneurs, if they are scared of making money, just begin to talk about money more with your friends. Begin to talk about money more. What you're scared of, again, give it away. One of the biggest things that I've done that's helped my money mindset is like when I go out to Starbucks, take care of the car behind me. If I see someone in need, take care of them. And it, it sh really what it does for me is it shows me that I don't put money on a pedestal. And anytime we put money on a pedestal, we're actually distancing it from ourselves as opposed to having it feel real and feel natural. So I don't see money as a bad thing at all. And when I've done that, it becomes so normal. Hey, you want to pay me a few thousand dollars for my work? Totally cool. I'd be happy to help you as opposed to us thinking we're not deserving of that money as well. 100%. For anyone listening, I'll close with this, is that the more you make, yeah, like the more people you could help. But at the same time, that also means if I want to get something that I feel is good for me, like I, I love the analogy about living by the beach. I used to live right by where you were and, and it is absolutely worth it. At the same time, like if you're an entrepreneur, that doesn't mean you need to go get anything. You could literally put it back into your business and get that hire that you need to work on your social media because it's driving you insane spending five hours a day doing it. Exactly. So think about how that could actually go into the business and then multiply your business as well and then create more money and then create that trip that you wanted to go on forever. But um, Cody, man, this has been so, so, so good. I want to make sure people know where to follow you um, and where they could listen to you on your podcast. So if you could hook us up with that and then we'll, we'll wrap up there, man. Yeah, easiest way, um, codyg.nlp on Instagram or my podcast, NLP with Cody G. Um, best way to find me to find out what I have going on and really just to see a day in the life of what I do because I like to show a lot of the, the lifestyle stuff as well and not just business, but I really enjoy connecting with people on that level as well. So it's been great for us to connect here today, Rich. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. All right. See you guys. All right, everyone, you heard where to find Cody. I really absolutely positively hope uh, that you enjoyed listening to that episode uh, about sales, about NLP, about lifestyle, about change. And look, if you are not subscribed yet, please uh, do me a favor, subscribe or send this to someone who really has issues with selling. And uh, it would make my day to know that it ends up to be something that they're listening to and on their playlist. Now, I mentioned uh, in the mid-roll, if you wanted to learn how to get 25% off your process mapping with Rocket Station, all you have to do is go to landing.rocketstation.com. That's going to bring you to set up a discovery call with them. 
And all you have to do is mention Rich Cardona or the Leadership Blocker, and you're going to get 25% off that process mapping. If you don't want to have a call or if you don't want to go check out Rocket Station, uh, you could also just email brooks at rocketstation.com. And if you don't want to do that, then DM me and we could have a conversation about it. I've helped many people who were kind of, uh, you know, reluctant to just go about this on their own until they heard my experience. And after that, they went directly to Rocket Station and hired them. So 25% off if you email brooks at rocketstation.com, mention me or the leadership blocker. Same thing with landing.rocketstation.com. And the process mapping, by the way, is just going to be them mapping out all the process that you need, all the processes you need taken off your plate that someone else is going to do for you in a matter of a very short time period. So thank you so much. Later. Later.